0: I want to go to Isaiah 35 today. There's a restoration picture in this particular passage that it's better if you read it with an eye that this is an illustration of a life being restored. And so it starts with a a wilderness picture, which is Essentially, a place of solitude or where nothing grows well, uh, and you know we're not as familiar with that. But in that region of the world, there would have been vast spaces where hardly anything grew at all. And so it's like that picture of life, and then the path that goes to Zion where there's joy. So that's a summary. We can all go home now. No, <laughs> no, but uh, I want to walk through this passage, okay? The wilderness or the solitary place, the dry land shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice and blossom like crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, and they shall see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. So he's saying, This place that's that's without much life is going to turn around and it's going to flourish. And he starts naming places that we're unfamiliar with, but really point to the places that would have been most beautiful in their day, the most fruitful and productive places. And and so like Lebanon was known for its trees and and the other for their fruitfulness and pastures and such. And so he's saying there's going to be a change that takes place. The joy of the Lord is going to be evident as a part of this. These pictures are, are common in the Old Testament. In fact, I, just to note a, a couple others. In Jeremiah chapter 17, the Lord gives two different contrasts. It says, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Cursed is the one who depends on themselves. Turns his heart away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert, shall not see any good come Shall dwell in a parched land places, like a tumbleweed, just there's, there's not much life there. He says, that's, that's what happens when you rely on, on just your own strength or human abilities. But then he goes on and says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who trusts the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water. And then he gives that picture of health where its roots are, are getting what it needs. It says it's green when the season's dry, and it produces fruit like it's supposed to do. So again, this is a, a picture just saying this is, this is what a life looks like in the Lord. That, I want to go on just a little bit in that passage because it says, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? And it says, the Lord, I search the heart, test the mind, and give to everyone according to his ways or the fruit of his deeds. So he says, we may not be able to discern ourselves, but God understands exactly what's going on. Back to Isaiah. Those who have strength in the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come. Um, that, this, this idea that when you're in that solitary place or when you're in a wilderness, there's a temptation to just give up. Let fear take over, the, the anxious thoughts, the uh, the just the worry of it all. And he's saying, no. Because you know that the goodness of God is going to come in, he says it's a time to... To stand straight. It's a time to, to pick yourself up, so to speak, and be aware that this is, this is temporal. Whatever this issue is or whatever this setting is, it's temporal in comparison to what lies in store. These, then he says, God will come with vengeance and with recompense. And I guess uh, I, I, I've often read this passage and gone, that doesn't seem to fit together. <laughs> And obviously, I didn't understand it very well, but uh, the idea with this is that the vengeance of the Lord is stated a few times in Scripture. The first time where it comes across is Isaiah 61, and it talks about the uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of the vengeance of our God. In a sense, it is a declaration of God taking vengeance on Satan's realm and saying, this doesn't have the same power that it did. So the the work of Jesus was what? To break the power of Satan and to proclaim new life. To set the captive free. To free us from our sins. And and so in in this picture... That we're looking at, he's saying the vengeance of the Lord is 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 going to be seen in destroying Satan's works. And so that's a. Then I'm going. That's a good vengeance. I like seeing that. There are other references to vengeance to it, and Jesus talks about Jerusalem and saying because you haven't received the message, the Lord's vengeance is coming. And in Luke twenty-two, I believe it is. It's a. It's a. A sobering thing because it says, run for the hills when this comes. And, of course, in AD 70, Jerusalem was destroyed as a result of their failing to respond to the Lord's salvation. Um, I've got a few others. But uh, I just want to note, if I can turn the page, it would be easier for me. Let's go on. Babylon, the... Uh, A picture is given in the book of Revelation, and the idea is that um, Babylon, the city, was a place of suffering when the, the children of Israel were hauled off to Babylon. Babylon at that time was a place of wealth and great splendor, but it wasn't for the people of God. They were displaced, they were out of sync with what had been, and so in that setting, this particular picture says, Babylon, your days are numbered. In other words, God is saying there is a, a coming judgment for those that have walked like a Babylon. And the, the statement, you know, and so I'm, I'm looking at this and going, it's important to understand the pictures and, where we are a literal people and we're always trying to put a literal explanation on this, which could be, but isn't necessarily so. What we have to understand is what did Babylon represent? And so this declaration comes across, it was a dwelling place for demons and a haunt for every unclean spirit. That's the supernatural sense. But then in the next verses, it says also, for all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. So he points out three things. He says, sexual immorality was rampant in the place. There was a a, a misuse of authority where kings gathered to themselves and just used for their own benefit, their power. And he says, the merchants of the earth made themselves wealthy, but it was off the backs of others. You know, and so that's what Babylon represented to this people group. And so he's saying, you know, there is a caution it sounds almost like us, doesn't it? But it's, there. there is a caution because the vengeance of God is going to be spilled out upon such things. He says to the saints, come out of her. People, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as the heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. And he says, no more is there going to be this joyful sound of of the bridegroom and the bride and the merchants doing all their stuff. He says, For in her was found the blood of the prophets, the saints, and all those who have been slain on the earth. So he says these systems that have destroyed good people will be destroyed themselves. That's a part of the vengeance of the Lord. There's also a thing in, in Timothy in regard to God's vengeance where it says in regard to suffering, the, the Paul is talking to the saints and going, you're going through this suffering season, but you need to be aware. God considers it, and he'll repay the, the, unjust, the affliction for those who afflict you. And he goes on to say, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel. For our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of the eternal destruction Away from the presence of the Lord, so he's he's you know this term, vengeance used of the Lord is is God carrying out a just form of what's appropriate, in regard to His kingdom, and so in that sense, if you're in His favor and you're walking in His path, there is no fear of that really. It's a, a repayment for good. Recompense was the second term in that passage of Isaiah vengeance and recompense. And again, that's a term we don't use, right? But it, it, it's essentially a reward or a payment for what you've done. And so the picture of that is when you've lived well before the Lord, it, it's a good payment and something that you desire and, and hope to see. When you have done destructive things, he says he will destroy the destroyer. That's the other part of this. So a recompense is another term that has, in a sense, a reward for good or bad, depending how things have been. Let's go back to this Isaiah passage. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Whatever the limitations have been, whatever has in a sense, made this a wilderness or desert experience. He says that will be changed. You know, there's there's something in us when we, when we look. And, and some weeks ago, we looked at that idea of, you know, people claiming to hear but not really hearing, claiming to see but not really seeing. And, and we ask God, open our eyes so that we truly see things your way. Open our ears so that 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 we hear what you're speaking to our lives. This Isaiah passage says, even though the wilderness experience has been here, you're stepping out. You're stepping into something different. And he says, eyes will be opened. You're going to be able to walk. And the tongue will sing with joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool. The thirsty ground springs of water. Haunt for jackals where they lie down. The grass will become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it. It shall not belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. I love that. It doesn't say you have to be smart. You don't have to be smart to make it in this life with God. Some of you students are going, it's a good (laughs) thing. Invariably, we get ourselves into situations where we just don't have the smarts to figure everything out, right? I mean, or we just, we see others that just seem to have more. what what this picture is showing is, is there's a road, and even fools can find the path as dumb as you may think you are, it's not so dumb that you can't get there. I love that. you know, if you're wrestling with that insecurity of you know i just I just don't do this well enough. There's that hope that says even a fool can find the way. (laughs) I cling to that. (laughs) There's more though. No lion shall be there nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there but the redeemed shall walk there. He says it's a safe path. It's not a path you're going to get destroyed on. You know, this is so different from for us, you know, we're, you know maybe, the, maybe the best picture we have would be like walking in the woods in the fear of a bear or a mountain lion or something. You know, he says, you're not going to have to worry, have that kind of worry of being destroyed when you're pursuing the Lord. You don't have to worry that you're only going to get partway there and then something's going to come and, sorry, you didn't make it. You know, it's a good path. God laid it up, but you just, sorry. You're lying bait. You know. Uh, no, that's not, that's not what he's saying. He's painting a picture, and he says, In the Lord, the path is there. It's a good path, and it's a safe path, and it will take you to Zion. And again, that it's a picture of, of, of the place where the Lord dwells. The rants of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. So the the picture of of this passage in Isaiah is that you might be in a wilderness setting. Remember, they spent 40 years in the wilderness with the dream of the promised land. So in their heritage is this strong understanding of wilderness to promised land. So in this, it's again a a repainting of wilderness to the city of Zion. Taking the path that leads to life. Being able to, to walk toward the Lord and not be undone. To accept that even though in the moment there might be a drought, so to speak. In the moment, things might not be growing very well. But there's this promise is as we walk in the path of Christ. We have this hope and this promise of attaining the goal, reaching Zion, the, the beautiful city, and joy being restored. Invariably, we go through seasons where it seems like wilderness. It seems like a solitary place, where it seems like nothing could grow. And the promise of God is that it's temporal and there's a way out and there's opportunity for restored joy. What a wonderful thing to trust in God that way. What a wonderful thing to say even in this lifetime, this is a wilderness compared to what we'll be. And to acknowledge the hope that we have of being united with Him in eternity. Powerful things. God restores the lonely soul. His path is passable. (laughs) And in the presence of the Lord, there is joy. Stand with me, will you? For each of us, it's a different thing, right? Right? different seasons, you might feel overwhelmed, or you might feel like nothing's really working right now. Or you might just say, I am so dry, haven't heard the voice of God in a while. I want to say that this passage speaks life and hope, and it's the promise of the Lord that as we rely on Him, that these things will be opened again that safe path. So, Lord, I pray for each one here and for those in particular that would be struggling in this season where they feel like this truly is a wilderness, I ask that you'll give them that glimpse of hope again, that their, uh, their hands would be strengthened, their knees would become strong, they'd be able to walk with confidence knowing that they will attain the goal of their hope, to be united with you. Be their strength, I pray. Amen. If you want prayer, just hang around. Find someone you trust. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. I they discover with joy what it is to walk in a safe path with you. As I, I ask as each one goes out into the community to give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.